Welcome back to Tangent Space Podcast. Uh, we've had a bit of a sabbatical, a few months off, uh, while John and I were getting jobs and new places to live, but we are paid, fed, uh, and ready with some more tangents for you today. <laughs> getting a job, getting a life, I think is what you want to say, is we were getting a life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so last episode... Uh, if you remember, was us talking about emotions as sort of a random number generator, uh, how you could do this in AI or, you know, how it may already exist in that form really in humans. And that's sort of got me thinking about emotions as a, as a sort of logical argument and specifically with love. All right. So I guess you could call the concept of this one, uh, the logic of love and the idea really Catch. bears on when people sort of try to make arguments to each other about why they should stay together or be in love or whatever. And it seems, I don't know, it strikes me as a sort of impossible task. But anyway, the, it happens everywhere. Uh, maybe you've heard your friends try this or you've heard people this happen to or certainly you've heard it in pop music and we'll get to that. But this whole idea really started when I was talking to a friend who had a love interest going on and they it wasn't really working for them for my friend uh, and the other person yes your friend yeah okay <laughs> it's not me i promise <laughs> surely there is some of this we can all relate to anyway so this person was you know trying to convince my friend to be with them and they started saying all kinds of arguments for this like oh you know i can't be with anyone else i don't like anybody like no one's gonna fit with me nobody mm -hmm. understands you like i do anyway there were a bunch of arguments why they should be together and the more i thought about them the more sinister they kind of seemed like each one of them seems a bit innocent on the outside but when you say something like i can't be with anyone else it's sort of like a a really kind of nasty type of coercion and and certainly it's not all that way but i started to think about where else had i heard this and yeah, pop music like i mentioned really came to mind this mm -hmm. is everywhere i actually have a bunch of clips uh, that we can listen to just sort of random sampling of this but i decided there were like a few categories of ways this argument can go and i'll give you an example of each one all right. All right, so first song clip. Uh, are you ready, John? I am ready, sir. Yeah, so this is the first type, and it's the most innocent. Uh, obviously, picked some early Beatles. Mm -hmm. This one's basically just, I love you, so, so love me. <laughs> Which, it doesn't mean you're going to love them, right? It's, it's not a very good argument just because you love someone <laughs> it's not very <laughs> you know persuasive what I mean? exactly. it's not for my students if they find this oh god forbid that is yeah. definitely not a persuasive argument yeah it's the the whole deal where you like impose a standard or something on yourself and then try to take it from there onto the world that that never turns out well mm -hmm. they either loved you already or they don't this this argument is probably not going to work although maybe it's flattering enough to get their attention well, i think it's at least probably neutral i don't think it's so bad necessarily yeah agreed okay so anyway building on that first argument you can say you love them fine but other people might also love them so why you 
It doesn't really make sense that way. So one way to like up the ante on that argument is to say, nobody loves you the way I do, right? Mm. What this love is that I have, no one else can give. And okay, we'll get to the angle of that after the clip, uh, starting now. Yeah, so here you have Adele singing, uh, and she's saying, this other girl can't give you what I can give you. Uh, she doesn't know you or love you like I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the angle to this is that you could take it as an insult, right? The, the person who's the one who loves is kind of overvaluing you. They, they love you especially a lot because they have this sort of distorted view of you that no one else could have. Uh, hmm. You know what I mean? That's if interesting. You, yeah, if you really were love-worthy... Everyone would love you that way, right? I mean, at least as long as you were compatible enough, and there's plenty of people you're compatible with. Hmm. Yeah, so so that's kind of an insidious one, right? It sounds great, but if there's only one person that could love you this amount, it's kind of strange. It makes you think. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I wouldn't. I mean, I can see the more sort of emotionally manipulative thing that no one else will love you, period. Mm-hmm. or love you like as much but that's an interesting i think angle that they'll they just can't do that because no one else understands you that way right you're un- understand you're not understandable to other people but i mean understanding someone right i mean is usually just a matter of you know kind of compatibility and time i mean of course mm-hmm. no one understands you at this point because they've been spending a lot of time with you or whatever we're getting a little worse right this is a little more creepy than the beatles I guess the only thing I would say so far that I'm reminded of from that first clip from the Beatles clip is um, the classic cheap trip, cheap trick song, right? I want you to want me, right? You need me, all that, and that's a little bit, I think, even more innocent than maybe the Beatles thing. It's just mm-hmm. saying what they want, what they need, right? And you know, that's that for you to have those kind of feelings. It's yeah. a little bit less of a imperative. It's true. Yeah, he he does say, I think I need you to need me at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a sort of codependence, you know, offer. Sure, sure. <laughs> hey, yeah, it's not. <laughs> let's both start leaning here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, I mean, you. it depends on where it's coming from, right? If you're into it, it sounds sweet. If it's someone you don't like, it sounds terrifying. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course, of course. Most of these are that way, right? If you imagine someone you're not interested in saying this to you, immediately mm-hmm. the bad nature comes out, like it becomes really right. clear. Right. So... Getting even a little worse now. Uh, let's start with a super f- well-known song, although this is maybe not a, as well-known of a clip of it. The uh, song was actually written by Badfinger and, and later super popularized uh, by others, many others. Anyway, here we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here we've got into the super clear realm. <laughs> uh, again, it sounds really sweet, 
you know, it's got the nice major key, it's sort of croony, but he really... Classic ballad. Yeah, exactly, but he really is saying he's going to die if he's got to be without you. Yeah. (laughs) Which is getting a bit creepier, right? That one's definitely classic, emotionally abusive thing to say. I know. Like, post-breakup. Totally. So the next clip takes it up a notch again. Uh, it's still that I can't live without you, but this one is so clear. I mean, even if your happiest love of your life said this to you, I think I'd still be creeped out. Uh, here we go. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> leave it to Sting, right? Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Wow. That was really, there was, there's no need for interpretation. Yeah. If he's not allowed to be watching you or whatever, <laughs> he's going to kill himself. Uh, yeah. So, this one's right, the straight up suicide threat, right? It's kind of interesting because these come out, it seems like, at the end of a relationship, right? When they're trying to mm-hmm. leave you later. It's definitely not a beginning. You don't lead with this one. No, right? no you don't. That so won't there's, work. Yeah, it's sort of a heat of the moment. I mean, maybe they don't ever really mean it, but, I mean, yeah, suicide threat, it's, it's never, like, a thing to joke about. Yeah, so anyway, okay, that one's straight up bad, I think. <laughs> that one's easy to see. I um, do like your uh, way of saying imagine someone you don't like at all saying this to you right right i know just doing it right now (laughs) 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 yeah okay so all right that's probably as bad as it gets um but some are i think no less insidious than we've seen before so the third big category that i've decided on is when someone claims that it's your destiny to be together. Mm-hmm. You have no some- choice. Yeah, they somehow know that it's the fate of you know God or the universe or whatever that you guys are meant to be. Mm-hmm. So this one, you can hear it like in in just casual language, like in this clip. Yeah, so this one is is happy together, right? By the turtles. Ah, yes. Right? Uh, So, you know, he goes, imagine you and me and me and you, no matter how they toss the dice, Mm -hmm. it's meant to be, right? Mm -hmm. So this guy, you know, knows it's fate, right? This one's fairly innocent because I think it's just a figure of speech in this case. He's just saying, well, it's not like he made it happen, right? He's just saying, look, this is the way the world was made. That's true. But, okay, listen to this other one. We'll see if we can stay so innocent about it. Again, we'll take it up a notch. This is by Eagle Eye Cherry, who you may remember if you went to high school I in do remember. the 90s. <laughs> uh, <laughs> dating ourselves, Brandon. We're dating ourselves. It's all right. So this song, really, it's the same deal, but, but listen. Right. So, so we, here we have this guy admit casually, you say no, but I won't go. 
Wow, that is... (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's pretty forcible, right? And and this dude just says, we're meant to be, right? Which is such a classic phrase that you don't even think about it, right? It just sort of slips into your mind without, you know, really understanding the weight of those words. But I think the terrible thing about this argument is that you're implying that you have this secret connection to like understanding the fate of the universe, right? It speaks to you mm-hmm. and nobody else. You're sort of like a, a prophet, right? You have a, a standing that is definitely no longer equal. Well, right? if we don't have free will, what can you really do about it? I mean, <laughs> that's just the way it is. Yeah. That's just, that's just math and science, you yeah. know? It's true. But the problem is we know that he doesn't actually... No. <laughs> <laughs> what, you mean he doesn't understand everything that's going on in the universe and what's going to happen? Yeah, the, so. this only works when you're omniscient, right? I mean, clearly, uh, Eagle Eye Cherry is not. And so, anyway, I find this one of the creepier ones where you're, you're sort of putting yourself up in a, in a really, yeah. like, romanticized way. Yeah, that's definitely starting to really push that envelope to more dangerous and more, like... Uh, directly relatable to certain situations. You say no, but this is meant to be, so don't fight it. Oh my god, yeah. That song is terrifying. <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> you know, that is a I valid mean, point. If, if you don't like them, you don't like them. And the only way this argument, and I think a lot of them work, is if you kind of already are in love with this person, mm-hmm. and you just needed the motivation to, to be with them, to actually commit or whatever. But I think that gets confused a lot because of the way this argument is always presented. It just doesn't work like that. Like, you know, the Matrix thing or whatever. What Matrix thing? You know, the Oracle tells him being the one is like being in love, right? Nobody can tell you. You just know. Yeah. It's a sort of subconscious thing that happens, you know, as a mixture of hormones and and unconscious thought and whatever. I think it, it's not really a thing that's arrived at consciously ever. So the fact that someone's like even trying to address it as a, as a logical surfacey discussion, I feel like they've sort of missed the whole boat, right? You yeah. clearly don't get it. <laughs> yeah, no one ever debated someone into loving them, is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Well, you can definitely manipulate the shit out of them. This is, yeah. I mean, this is where a lot of these songs are leading, more very emotionally manipulative language. I mean, it preys on someone being a, a decent person, right? If you are completely devoid of feelings for other people, then mm-hmm. that wouldn't work. You'd be like, all right, fine, go do whatever you want to yourself. I don't care. Right. right? The fact that you care in general, maybe not about them, right? You just care about people or not causing harm, but that gets twisted into them thinking that they care about you in some way. Right. Yeah, I think that's a pretty common one. Okay, so far this is like, pretty different episode than what we've done before there's no been no mention of sci-fi or aliens or (laughs) yeah a lot more crying than usual chest bursting or whatever okay so let's get a bit nerdier ready so one (laughs) one type of way that logic uh, is applied and and currently and i think fairly successfully is in matchmaking services so you know people have been doing matchmaking forever right but that's Mm -hmm. that's got this you know emotional magic that that knows if people are going to connect or not but if we're speaking logically these like computer machine services the dating ones that will like take your personality profile or whatever and tell you who you should be with Mm -hmm. are really operating on this level 
Yeah, I mean, they think they can find these little bits of information on, from based on all these people and what they say and how their relationships have gone that something's going to work out or not. And right. I mean, it, this would be interesting to look at more in depth in the future, but the last I had done any reading on this topic, which was several years ago, so it was before, I mean, it was when like OkCupid okay and eHarmony um, and Match and all those were around mm-hmm. and they were, they were pretty big, but it was kind of before like the explosion of things like Tinder and right. all these like on your phone, instant. Right. Well, those are all kind of, they're person, they're user driven though, right? Right, right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely thinking more, more of the earlier driven. ones. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And from what I remember, the few things I remember reading about it, it didn't seem like, again, a lot of this is held as secret and as proprietary, but the little stuff I'd seen that people had been able to look at it, um, it didn't seem like it did anything. Like they weren't actually able to predict or do any real matchmaking, but just by sheer numbers, that seemed to be the right. best way to get some people of them to, work out. Yeah, yeah. You just see enough people, eventually someone's going to click. Right. Um, but there was this interesting. Maybe I should look it up real quick. From OKCupid, where they looked at questions and looked at which ones correlated with couples. I don't know, having a long relationship or getting married, whatever it was. Right. And it's a set of random questions like, "Do you like horror movies?" Would you leave it all behind and go live on a sailboat? And a couple more. That was three simple questions. Yeah, do you like horror movies? Okay, I remember. So the three questions they found that seemed to correlate well with long-term relationship was, do you like horror movies? Have you ever traveled around around another country alone? Wouldn't it be fun to chuck it all and go live on a sailboat? And they found that correlated with... uh, almost a four time the rate of coincidence for couples lasting for some amount of time. Awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, these are okay as like a, you know, just giving someone a probability, right? Here's, here's some likelihood that you will actually fall in love. Mm -hmm. But what, what you could do conceivably in the future is get so good at this matchmaking. You could really, you know, tailor a synthetic being, you know, say it's a VR or, you know, an actual Android or whatever to such a level, you know, that the, the likelihood of you falling in love with it is like a hundred percent. Right. Mm-hmm. And this has been in a bunch of movies. I think the most recent probably is Blade Runner. There's a, a virtual reality character kind of projected as a hologram all the time, but is clearly like from what you get in the advertisements for her in the movie, like her personality is, is not unique, right? It's designed you know, to adapts. work on a lot of different guys. Yeah, exactly. But it but it adapts to the person and it it's unclear in the movie whether it's sentient or not, but either way it's he falls in love with it and it's hard not to. Um it's designed really well. Do you think this is how people fall in love with inanimate objects? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That might be a lot of projection, I guess. Yeah, but the point is you can project whatever it is you really want. And they'll fulfill it perfectly. Certainly, yeah. Yeah, I guess there really is like an art when you make something like this of like leaving parts open yeah, uh, for your imagination to fill in. Yeah. Well, to build off what you're saying, imagine the, the situation of an AI that falls in love with a human and wants mm-hmm. the human to love him or right. it. And then what does it do? Is this just the example of like the limit of someone who's extremely manipulative and... You know, is able to just morph into whatever it is someone needs or wants, 
right? right. Is able to be a, this perfect manipulative person. Oh, finally. Right? There's a Star Trek episode that has this. I hope you've seen it. <laughs> Took only how long into the episode to get to Star Trek? Boom, yeah. No, there's one, there's an episode where they're transporting um, this woman who's meant to be like a gift or something uh, between nations to make peace. Or I forget what. Anyway, the role of this woman is exactly that. She's just like, mm. whoever's around her, she will become exactly what they want. That's like right. Her, right. her whole deal. Yeah, you see how it works for sure. I think I think in the case you're saying, right, the, the human versus AI, I think mm-hmm. my faith in humans is not. <laughs> I think you're probably going to lose that one. Mm-hmm. For real, we can be pretty stubborn and irrational, right? But actually, I think, yeah, what you're saying, this this adaptability of the AI is a sort of key component in this getting past the bad random number generator. Because I think one way to do it is to just roll the dice again. You need to somehow trigger a re-roll, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and <laughs> which I think you can do by, by saying that there's new conditions. There was something, we have evidence now that wasn't present in the first roll. We need to roll again. It's like a retrial, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think you can say, well, you misjudged me. Or, I mean, in the AI's case, like you were talking about, they can basically just be an entirely different person. Yeah. Like, well, that was me yesterday. I've reformatted my personality. I'm a different person. you got to now check again if you love me. <laughs> you know, like right. they could sort of do that indefinitely. And I, I don't know that you could hold out eternally. Yeah, you wonder, I mean, at some point, are we going to come to this? Like, we're really pushing into the future, right? Oh, man, this was a great one in Blade Runner 2, where dude's sitting outside, and the character from uh, Halt and Catch Fire, dang it, what's her name? Mackenzie. Mackenzie, yeah. <laughs> anyway, she comes up to him and talks to him or whatever, and he's not, you know, having it. And she's like, oh, you don't like humans, Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not into humans anyway and it really in the movie the context meant that you know there were androids everywhere and apparently there it seemed like he just fit into a type of person that just didn't like real like biological right. women yeah. that was their sexuality that was their taste yeah and you yeah right and i mean that i can see i mean it's sort of probably already becoming a thing right i mean if you think about you know, uh, porno or, you know, different virtual ways to experience this. There's mm-hmm. definitely a, a sect of people that sort of lose touch with reality. They prefer yeah. what, yeah, the non-biological thing. And that, I mean, as far as human extinction goes, like I think is a <laughs> probably more of a real threat than than a lot of the things generally talked about, like AIs wiping us out just because they're evil or whatever. Like, I think it's much more likely that we just sort of make AIs good enough to com- to satisfy all our needs and then just forget to reproduce. And then one day we wake up and we're all gone. Um, but that is what, kind of what you see happening in the quote-unquote first world countries, right? Birth rates go down. Right. People are more interested in jobs or entertainment or there's a lot of reasons packed into here, but the birth rates go down. Right, and they don't have enough. Like the U.S. wouldn't have enough if we didn't have immigrants coming in to keep the the population growing. Right, and so you have a place like Japan, which has like a negative birth rate or something like that. Their population yeah. is shrinking, 
and they don't have yeah, enough people to... Yeah, I read about that to, all the time. Yeah, they don't have enough people to um, pay taxes, to keep people's pensions, to take care of all the things that need to be done to keep the country running. It's a serious issue. And mm -hmm. part of it is you can read these reports about the lack of interest in people wanting to have sex. Right. That there yeah, and there's like a bunch of government like yeah. initiatives to try to encourage it and stuff. Yeah, there's credits for having children and all this stuff to try to get people to have kids. But it's from, from again, some cursory reading about this, there's even a broader issue of people just wanting to be with someone, to have sex, to have a relationship. So that's, uh, I mean, partially a separate issue from having children, but is, is related. If you have right. uh, a society or culture starts moving away from people wanting to have physical contact like that, you're going to run into these issues of not having enough people. Right. Yeah, it doesn't seem that scary since there are so many people right now, but I could see it. You know, I mean, it just takes a generation, right? If everybody right now stopped, you know, 50 years, we're gone. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I've heard this really same type of argument uh, as an explanation for the great filter or whatever. So the, the idea, mm. you know, that according to any reasonable estimate, there should be a ton of aliens uh, living on planets around us and it's kind of really strange that we have never heard from them so people say the great filter is whatever is preventing that from happening whether it's extincting all of them or just preventing them from talking but one I've heard is just that societies as they advance technologically are much more likely to get good at entertainment before they get good at space travel mm -hmm. and, and you just get so good at you know virtual reality and you know, fulfilling all your desires. People just right. lose all desire to do anything in the real world. And yeah. that's why no society ever makes it out into the galaxy. That's, because and that's something people really look at about how entertainment advances and how that might limit people's social interaction. And I think sometimes people kind of get a bit alarmist and extreme and, oh, right. everyone just wants to play video games and watch Netflix. No one's, you know, talking to people anymore. No one's making yep. babies and... You know, but oh, that, yeah. that is a measurable effect. I mean, I know people look at this. I don't know what the research says on it right now, but it's uh, something that does happen. All this stuff, I mean, it just gets more so, right? Sure, these problems don't seem like real things now, but, I mean, if you get real, you know, singularity-ish, you really have to think, are we going to be able to withstand perfect VR? Mm-hmm. Hard to say. So, <laughs> speaking of AIs falling in love with each other, I I assume this happens, but, like, apparently in all these dating apps and sites and whatever, there's, like, a plethora of bots. Yep. So, I don't know if they're meant to, like, advertise to you or whatever, but there are bots everywhere that are trying to, like, chat you up mm -hmm. and pretending to be... A person interesting to you and then you know at the last second they they do the old switcheroo and now you're you know buying a car I don't know what they do I try to do <laughs> well that was a big thing in the Ashley Madison hack um, what uh -huh. was it now like two years ago or something right. this website for those who don't remember that was for people to cheat on their spouses right they got hacked yeah yeah it got hacked and one of the things that came out is that they were using a lot of bots to inflate their numbers and to get these bots to typically posing as women to attract mm -hmm. men that right. there was some attractive woman 
interest in them and they should pony up the cash to pay the subscription right and inflated their numbers and oh, yeah. well, that makes more sense than going on. advertising for cars yeah and so that kept their their business going this whole like just creating a whole bunch of fake sure mostly women to attract the men to get them to pay for this website crazy okay so but what i wonder is how many of these bots were talking to each other yes how much bot on bot action was going on <laughs> how hot was it going and how much of it <laughs> I kind of want some transcripts. I want to read some <laughs> chatbot <laughs> romance. I want to see, you know, is it just gibberish? Do they get into weird, like, conversational points that humans never get into? Or is it just boring and dumb? I, I think people people have definitely done this for, like, spam bots and, like, chat. Right. You know, like, these chat room things you can go. And I know people have, like, put them together, and it's usually pretty hilarious. I don't have a, a thing oh, in nice. front of me for it. Yeah, we should look that up. Um, they've definitely done it also for like Google Assistant and Siri, and you right. just both ask them the same question, and then they start talking to each other, and right. with pretty hilarious results. Oh yeah, awesome! I think you got to be. Oh man, it freaks me out. It seems like a, a Turing machine. You know what I mean? Like you have a bunch of uncontrolled exchanges of information going on. You know what I'm saying? Nope. Do you, do you know what I mean by Turing machine? Uh, if you mean a general calculation machine, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, okay. I mean, it's just like you can take, you know, any system with sufficient amount of states or whatever and yeah. and turn it into a computer, right. basically. Right, compute anything. Yeah, I've seen people do it with, like, magic cards, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, they've done it you in set Minecraft. The, and Yeah, you set up a certain state uh, with all the stuff and rules and then... You can actually perform calculations. You can ask it, you know, arithmetic. Those geeks, what, what, what can't they do with magic cards? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but then, I mean, that's kind of the situation you have with all these bots talking, right? They will give certain responses, given other ones, mm. and they'll go, like, in sort of Ooh. predictable ways. And I, I wonder like... if you could get, like, a sort of emergent AI or something from a <laughs> bunch of talking bots. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, it could happen. You put enough of them together. Yeah, right? Maybe this is how you breed an AI. You go evolutionary, but you just put in a bunch of dumb, dumb chatbots in there. Totally. And it just has this weird side effect that it only talks in, like, pickup lines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looking good tonight, baby. That means one. <laughs> That's the state one. Just names everybody, like, sexy69. <laughs> <laughs> that is memory register A. Oh my god. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Brilliant. Someone should do it if they haven't already. Just like the magic you know, I, example. I totally I could see this as the start of a bad movie, you know, like Oh yeah, real bad. At, working at some whatever site and then the like the computer monitor person's like, Gosh, we're using a lot of extra power. Whatever. <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> and then and then there you go let loose yeah the ai revolution was born because a bunch of rich people left their amazon clusters running honestly it's actually even scarier because it has direct access to humans and it can influence them to do things in the real world it's like Mm -hmm. automatically got arms right so if this thing if ashley madison became sentient it could then like (laughs) i know (laughs) that's a great start to a story has a name too but (laughs) 
totally. Anyway, but then it could like ask people to do stuff. You know, it could pretend to be a human and be like, oh yeah, baby, I'm really into it. Just go buy me some. Mm, I'm really into memory sticks. Plutonium. Like, <laughs> just mail them to my home at wherever. And like, you know what I mean? It, it can affect the real world. It's already unleashed. I think, uh, you know... How do we know it hasn't happened already? It's Yeah, it's the, you know, the enemy you don't see coming. That's the most dangerous. Not the AI you make at Google Labs. And this is when Skynet was born. Someone <laughs> added one too many chatbots. Sky, Sky fishnet. <laughs> oh, sexy. <laughs> I don't even mind. Nuke me. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> it got weird. It got weird. Ooh. It's, uh, it's been a long time coming. Pushed hard. Yeah. We got there. Thanks for joining us on Tangent Space. I hope we've ruined pop music for everyone. <laughs> Yes, definitely. Everyone that was listening to pop music was listening to this podcast, too, <laughs> and paying attention and changing their minds. Yeah, granted, the, that Venn diagram is, is pretty slim, but <laughs> there might be 10 people now who don't enjoy pop music. Yeah, well, you can enjoy it. Just don't, you know, take any cues to how to woo anybody. <laughs> oh, yeah, don't, don't use the lyrics in real life. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time. And play that music. Huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot how my own song goes. <laughs> <laughs>